Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. Hey, it's Brent. I'm here. It's raining outside, so if you hear some of that, I'm sorry. Today I'm joined by Adam. Yes, hello, I'm Adam. Forrest. Hello, hello. Dane. Hello. And introducing a very special guest, Danny. Hi, how's it going? So Dan, Danny, Dan, Dan, Danny, Dan, Dan, tell us about, tell us a little bit about you, because this is kind of a, for me, honestly, just, just be, it's a little bit of a starstruck, you know, type of situation. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, you must be one of my 9,000 subscribers on my uh, YouTube channel, <laughs> uh, middling success that I have as a professional hobbyist on YouTube. I create miniature content, craft miniatures for role-playing games and tabletop strategy games, paint them, and also do cartoons, a little bit of stand-up here and there, and all kinds of stuff to bring in the clicks. Definitely. Do you want to you want to say what, what YouTube channel you... you oh, yeah, your... sure. Uh, miniature Mashup is my channel. That's uh, Miniature Mash hyphen up, and we got a Facebook page, and I got an eBay ch- uh, page and all that good stuff. Fantastic. So I, I guess I'll give an I'll add on to that a little bit. So how this all came about was as I am prone to do, I was in a less than ideal spiral when when really taking apart and criticizing my own hobbies and stuff. And I was thinking about a lot of the weird race issues in D&D and I came across Dan's YouTube and he did like a very well thought out, you know, level headed, even tempered breakdown of some of the issues and it, it i don't know it was like three in the morning and i was just really needed to <laughs> needed that video and i was so moved by it i was like i'm just gonna reach out you know it's it's a it's a small enough youtube that maybe they'll they'll pay enough attention to me but also if you know if they didn't it'd be it'd be fine and then i just started watching you know i've been watching all the kit bashing stuff right on. i'm super into it i'm like really thinking about getting a pair of safety can openers so that i can get platforms made oh yeah <laughs> guys this whole kit bashing thing it's pretty great it's pretty good uh, i don't know if you ever if you guys ever looked at i mean honestly we're not running mat games now because of 2020 but a lot of the cool stuff you can do with like just bottle caps and and things around the house that i think really sell that old school kind of terrain physical game environment which led us to i guess the overarching theme of this episode is our hobbies and why we love them. Dane, you look so concerned right now. Can I? Is oh, I looking up kit bashing right now, and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> he's learning. That's his yeah. learning, learning face. <laughs> I, I've introduced Dane to something that he's gonna fully, he's gonna fully just <laughs> adopt into into any of his games now going forward. Oh, it's probably. not. It's it seems like a very like the I think the entry level is is pretty is pretty decent. Obviously, there's a lot of room to grow into. You're going to want to do a cross search with kit kit bashing and role playing tabletop. Otherwise, you're going to just get uh, action figure stuff where uh, hobbyists sort of make that He-Man where he got a cake on his face at Orko's birthday party. They just had to have that action figure. So what was Brent talking about? A can opener? Yeah. If you get a safety can opener, you can take the lids off of cans and make bases out of them for larger miniatures, like size large uh, guys, instead of getting sort of uh, taken by Games Workshop or their ilk for, you know, drop five bucks on a circular piece of plastic. They'll they'll happily take your money. (laughs) You know, same same company will try to sell you an eight dollar bottle of uh, white PVA glue. And it's uh, no different from Elmer's. I mean, but it does have, you know, like a a mean orc face (laughs) on it. So. I mean, me and Orc face is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, eight dollars. Uh, it's cool. worth the eight dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So how how it differs from a regular can opener is you know how like a regular can opener will just take that center that center, center disc out and it's just a death trap. It's like so jagged go, and violent. Yeah. Yeah. They go over the edge of the can, so they grab a little bit of that lip. So it just makes a really relatively safe base that has an edge to it as opposed to a sharp edge, I should say. And that was, the, I think that was one of the first things I saw. I was, I was just like, I had never thought about it. I mean, I use I use miniatures and stuff too. You you make it sound like I've got Fat Albert's band over here. It's more like a, <laughs> <laughs> more about combining cheaper miniatures with more expensive miniatures to save a couple bucks and not so much uh, the bottle caps and radiators and stuff i guess i guess for me i i just i'm just in, immediately enamored with that like fallout vibe just of like what around my house can i immediately cover in glue and paint to make look like a a dragon you know oh, what's sure. my oh, fallout 
it's yeah. it's funny erica my partner uh, she uh, has no interest in these hobbies none whatsoever she follows this guy on tiktok that makes like terrain and stuff like that and he make he uses like bark oh yeah trees to make like all sorts of crazy stuff it's it just really goes to show that like like i, I consider myself a semi-creative person but i'm so like siloed in that creativity and other people are just over like oh i bet i can make you know a whole thing out of that stone wall i think it was a stone wall they made from bark just, wait how it, you just paint it with like shadowing and stuff like that. It's got the right texture for stones on scenic stuff. You you could just tear bits of cork apart from from wine bottles. Like, oh, that makes. I'll sense. walk past. Yeah. There's a wine restaurant near here, and uh, they'll have stuff in their parking lot. I could just scoop up and uh, I'll throw it on. You know, sterilize it. It's good <laughs> to go. Yeah, I have. I clearly have no artistic ability. I had no idea this was even possible. <laughs> so it's you know, it's it. It just goes. I mean, I feel like it really taps into like the eye's ability to like project, right? Hmm. So all you have to do is like some clever shading and stuff like that, and your your brain just fills in the rest. You know? Yeah, just so, auto completes. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Forrest is in a literal art studio. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I just have it all around me. The the, the uh, audience can't see where I am, but you know, like I'm also thinking about things like uh, adam you said you don't you, you don't have like these creative abilities but i bet you would or i bet you could is maybe a better way of putting it because like i'm yeah. thinking about you know a couple of years ago my my partner she's been going to anime conventions for like probably more than 10 13 15 years now and there's Long always like yeah there's always like <laughs> cosplay involved and so a couple years ago well yeah a couple years ago because there wasn't anything last year if there was you probably shouldn't go we went to otakon and i went dressed as moira from overwatch and i make a very convincing slightly i can see that i can uh, see that that's uh, so funny yeah i get a little bit of david Bowie going on there maybe not enough about overwatch to know who that is I, I play Overwatch and I still don't know who that is. So. That's the gorilla, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's, the gorilla. <laughs> that's Winston, yeah. right? Uh huh. Speaking of things is the in the gorilla background, in that I game wanted... named Winston. I'm sorry, is that right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> is like his name is Winston. Yeah. Like checking in, is that a? a I have parallel? no idea. He, he has he he wears glasses. Okay. And he's very smart. Yeah, I hate him. He's very disruptive to the gameplay. <laughs> okay, we don't have well, to. We don't have to drag Overwatch again. Yeah, <laughs> not not necessary. Not necessary. It's not necessary, but like we're gonna do it. You know, we're gonna. Do it. <laughs> all right, all right. But speaking uh, with, of things in the background, I wanted to ask, what you got going on back there, Danny? Is that a bunch of swords or? No, uh, my my partner Sidra makes jewelry, so she oh. does beading, and there's uh, just a ton of her stuff back there behind me, hanging on the from wall. the lighting and the angle. It looks like a bunch of like swords and stuff. <laughs> it looks really cool. Yeah, I keep it dark here just to go easy on you guys. I don't, you know, I don't like to look at myself unless I feel a lump. I'm sure you don't need to see. Uh, oh, sh- <laughs> that's a Brentism right there. You don't have to drag me into this. Don't get a... I mean, it is it is something you would have said. Oh wow! So famously, we had an episode where we we ended up talking about things that were like a Brentism or a Forestism or an Adamism or a Danism, and uh, Brentism was an inability to take compliments. <laughs> just... <laughs> pretty pretty accurate. Look, I feel like I just think generally, if you're not if you're not self deprecating, like what are you doing? You know. Uh, but having, back to having confidence, well, sleeping. Well. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I know you want to like lead this somewhere, but I just, I, it's a perfect segue. I got to take it. What kind of stand up do you, is you, are you self deprecating humor? Like, what's your oh, kind yeah, of, absolutely. End up yeah. Uh, oh, I got okay. a couple clips on my channel, but if oh, okay. you get the kids out of the room, my nightclub act is pretty blue. It's not, I was actually having lunch with a fan today, and he was telling me he watches it with his kids, and I'm like, you got to be careful. For the most part, <laughs> the channel's super, super family, family friendly and clean, but uh, yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of, yeah, I won't do it here because uh, I haven't heard any F-bombs <laughs> drop so far. So we'll just keep. Oh, I, I'll take care of that for you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I have a bit. I'm like, you know, you have, you have a bit. Yeah. Go, you know, girls don't really go for fat guys the way they should. The attitude most women seem to have is if you can't see your dick, we don't want to either. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah that's yeah, goes, i like goes it goes into a whole thing a while oh, <laughs> i'm sure no yeah i think i mean I, so we're like a fully explicit podcast also anything we talk about the assumption is that there are spoilers like i just can't i can't be bothered i like our, our listenership is so low that we're not really pissing anybody off just yet i'd also don't want to diminish any of our fans by the way we had another 
a uh, little bit of housekeeping. We had another uh, God King donation. Oh, sweet. Uh, I actually don't. I didn't get the green light to say the name, so we're just going to leave it anonymous for now. But they're going to be the last episode that we recorded. So you guys can always get us at popculturekick at gmail.com. But more likely, you actually know one of us, and you could just send the money through them. I trust everybody in the group. Housekeeping over. Thank you. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> well, you, uh, didn't, you didn't plug Tim Apple's bit. He forgot about uh, Tim. I forgot the no, Tim. Tim's yeah, no, dead. Tim's dead. No, we're, no we're Tim, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we're on Apple Podcast, Tim had, wants nothing to do with us. You know, once we've been oh, we've been okay. rolled into the fold, he's he's that's it. You know, all of that initial energy was just to get our attention, and then now he's gone uh, and dropped us <laughs> on the face of the planet. I've never been ghosted by the CEO of a multi billion dollar company, but it 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 feels but what you think. It feels real good. I don't want any yeah, of that attention. Say, <laughs> Like, like he, yeah, it's, it feels like I have my life back. He's no longer harassing me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, back to hobbies. <laughs> right? Yeah, hobbies. That thing we came to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so I think growing up, like my my understanding of hobbies was like, I had a at one point in time I had a journal where I would put stamps in it, and I thought, oh, this hobbies is all hobbies are every oh, hobby, all hobbies are every hobby is collecting something that nobody else wants and putting it into a small book. That was my <laughs> perception of hobbies growing up. So I don't know what you guys were, what you guys thought hobbies were growing up. Well, 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 give me some ideas. Give me uh, some th- I mean, what even really is a hobby? Something you do in your personal time that entertains you? Like, cause it's sure. That seems like a good working definition to me. I mean, like well, growing up, I always thought of hobbies as like things you did when you should be doing something more productive. If that gives you a sense <laughs> of what I was like as a kid. Yeah. Maybe not the most healthy relationship. <laughs> Anytime you had fun with something, you were just, uh, just sweating, just anxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're going to find out they're going to, they're going to take it away from me. Yeah. No, my family's Catholic. How could you tell? <laughs> no, I'm, for myself, I went right from playing with toys to playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I pretty much hit every uh, branch on the nerd crap tree all the way down. So, you know, I've I've had pretty <laughs> embarrassing comic book collections. I still do sci-fi, horror films, <laughs> you know, uh, model making, you name it. I've I've probably taken a stab at every nerdy hobby, including beating. I try to get my girlfriend to show me. I just don't have the dexterity for it. Yeah, low yeah. deck score. I mean, I think frequently we dump decks, don't we, guys? I think we all just well, I, I paint miniatures, so I assumed I could I could cut it, but uh, it's uh, next level. So, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 some fine motor skills right there. Tell me, tell me some about some of these sci-fi horror films. Give me, give me your, give me your top few. Uh, probably my, my all-time favorite film of all time is uh, the original Dawn of the Dead Romero's. You know, the remake's oh, okay, wow. but yeah. you know, Snyder's uh, kind of awful generally. <laughs> Uh, I'm so happy you know, to hear you say that. <laughs> Evil Dead series and uh, Reanimator, and uh, you know, actually, for 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 horror films, you know, I go by director. So there's Romero and Stuart Gordon is great. If you've seen any of his stuff, there's a guy Frankenhooker and Basket Case, a different different director, but forget the name. That's the way to do it. You know, you find somebody who knows how to actually make a decent horror film, and you you drill down on their previous work until you've uh, exhausted it. I actually, I think I was introduced to Evil Dead way too young, right? Like my mom is a big horror, sci-fi horror fan. I was probably like like eight years old when I saw the original Evil Dead, and uh, that you, can't, you couldn't understand. That. I was going to say that's tr- probably the most juvenile horror film. The idea that it was like <laughs> I, I no, but hear me out. That tree scene, that oh, tree the scene, first one, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, first oh the original, one. yeah, the, yeah the no, one that not, was supposed to be e- a horror. Yeah, not Evil Dead Two, where it was like tongue in cheek and hilarious and great, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that tree scene really threw me for a loop because I didn't fully understand what was happening. But boy, did it make me uncomfortable! And I and now to this day, I still don't go camping. I just have no interest. I won't do it. Uh, trees scare me. I'm I'm so sorry. I just won't do it. That's why you live in a city. I live in a concrete jungle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I love I love that. I love sci-fi horror. Big big fan. I I do think that I used like I had a well of patience for horror and every time i watched a genuinely scary film i would like be taking a cup out of that well and as i've gotten older my sensitivities have increased just it's harder and harder for me and i don't know if that's just like the shifting format like it's becoming more and more not that it wasn't gory in the past i mean some of the most some of the best like effects work happened before i was alive like jeff goblum in the fly yeah yeah, I mean a lot of that like uh uh 
what's the Cronenbergian type mm. stuff? Like that stuff was just absolutely wild. And I think what was so cool about that and why I was patient with it was that I could see that there was like, and I don't want to diminish any, you know, 3D CG. Like that's that's also a skill set and an art, but something about the practical effects of it made it, I think, a little bit more palatable. Dane, did you, did you talk about your hobbies or what your perception of hobbies was growing up? I mean, I was a spoiled middle-class person. I, I My first introduction to hobbies, I'd say, was when I was four years old. We moved out to uh, Iowa for my dad's work, and uh, I was a hyper little shit back then. And uh, the only way they got me to calm down was they put a Game Boy in my hand. And, uh, I sat still for that entire 19-hour drive out west. Always been uh, into video games. And it's kind of... Actually, so hobbies are kind of like, I guess, my reward for being productive so kind of the opposite of Forrest, where he's like oh i should be doing something productive i'll do this instead for me it's like no i was productive now i've earned this thing and it's really kind of messed up me as an adult because i'll do like anything productive i'm like i get a reward it's not healthy you've created just an endorphin loop inside yourself i have oh no (laughs) i guess i didn't think about better game boy than booze i mean certainly most of us work our reward system i think (laughs) it's not not wrong finish finish this document take us oh man honestly that that's a great you know how they have that my first paychecks as an adult i blew so much on video games that like i didn't even touch for like months i just had access to money and i was just like i'm gonna buy this game buy that game i got board game i got oh i have well i bet you have uh taste that's like mine and you're you're already caught up in two you know 40 to 80 hour games to begin with and so the one you bought years ago is just sitting on the shelf i have i have a couple assassin's creeds i've never opened oh my god are you me are you me <laughs> yeah. from the future yeah. <laughs> i have like i, I have assassin's us. creed like three through what was the london one was that syndicate yeah yeah, yeah. i think i have like all of those games <laughs> I think you've only described three games. I want to be very clear here. I have, I have, I have three, four. Uh huh. Oh, and Syndicate. Yeah. Okay. I, I stopped playing at at Brotherhood. I think that was the peak of the. I'm like the... partway through Revelation, somewhere on an Xbox 360. Uh, somewhere, right? Yeah. I, th- I, I just. I, I I guess I didn't think about video games as qualifying for this, which I don't know why. No, they, they do. If, yeah. They do. I think Morrowind. I think video games then for me. For it was Halo and Morrowind were my two absolute just time sinks growing up. So I would play with my my best friend growing up, and he would be on game FAQs behind me, looking up stuff as I was doing it, and then we would just take three hour blocks, and I would swap and be his man in the chair. The man in the chair. I love that. Yeah, and I. uh, It sounds like a great title. Man in the chair. Well, it's a it's a it's a trope. It is. Yeah, we no, we're not like, familiar. What, not familiar what, what is Mate, this? Your man in the chair. Okay, so you got a Tom Cruise, right? That's your runner, right? That's like, uh-huh. not, that's not a trope, but the guy who's in the field. Then you have like a Ving Rhames who's in his headset. That's your man in the chair. That's your person who's like, I'm hacking the system right now. Your door's unlocked, and he's just like, you see, oh, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's yeah. your man in the chair. Yeah, that's that gimmick. The, the unit system. I know this. I know this. You know, you know that that I found something a fun fact. I know we've talked about Jurassic Park a lot. We have an episode about it, but that was a real thing. That was a real. What, what was Unix system? That form. Yeah, no, that's that's that that was real. That's a whole thing. Like that, we talked about this. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, it, Forrest I makes this joke at least once a week. I didn't know that it was real. Are you are you ghostlighting? I mean, is this am I ghostlighting you? Am I I joking you? Yeah. What is ghostlighting? It's it's me not knowing words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I also had like when I started to like pass the I got really because I was into D and D really late. Right, I started probably when I was twenty three, twenty four. I've only been playing for like six years, and I remember it all came to me very quickly. And I was like, oh, I should get into 40K. I, I, need, to, I need to start buying figures. I like, like, all right, D&D is cool, but let's get into all of it. Let's go deep dive into it. And then I, I like looked at the first, like, a, like, a, like an army set, right? A starter set. It was like $85 or something. And <laughs> I, was, I was barely making ends meet. And I said, oh, so I'm just not going to do it. And I shut that part of my brain down immediately. But I have so much, I have so much, I have so much fascination and respect for that level of of hobbyism it's not just the 40k miniature people it's cosplayers it's i think there are tiers right there's hobbyism 
this ho- being having a hobby like playing video games, playing D and D, and then there's like these love affairs or like where you are the payoff is late in the traditional sense, right? It takes you weeks, months to paint your set, to make your costume, to make your jewelry. And then at the end of it, that's the payoff that we would normally look at. But for them, the whole process is rewarding. And I just, I think about like that, that, that love for something that I deeply struggle (laughs) recreating or or emulating. And I, I wonder if any of us, obviously, Danny Boy definitely has some idea about that, but I, I want, I'm interested about if any of us have delved into that type of, there's a word that I'm missing here. Learning curve, but, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, wasted time, energy, and effort when you get into any of these hobbies for probably the first six months to a year. And as far as enjoying it all the way through, I think you're overselling it. I, I, even now, a lot of it's a grind. You'll watch these guys who are, are master works you know they just keep pumping out one amazing piece after another they have there's parts of the hobby they can't stand but you just grit your teeth and you get through it so you can have something on the other side of that i guess what makes hobbies hobbies is that for most of us we can accomplish that if we could you know apply that same thing to maybe our working life that same you know determination to complete something that's not you know the arc of uh death in the family where batman uh, meets robin for the first time or whatever we'd probably get a little further along you know but that's where the fun part comes in i guess maybe because there's uh the stakes are so low you know that, that's right. what makes it a hobby yeah. too i don't know yeah because you're right i mean I, I maybe i oversell the joy but there's still something admirable there right the commitment to pushing through that initial phase is probably what i'm lacking and maybe that's why it's admirable because i know that someone well, I'm just going to disagree with you, Brent, because I know your car hobby is pretty much on that same tier where you've invested a lot of time in developing skills and collecting tools that I consider that a hobby because you're not like it's not your profession. So I think you have that level of determination when it comes to cars. I think I think where I where I, I there's a difference is that my interest in working on cars and car culture came out of a necessity. Like I didn't have enough money to get a new car. And so I got what I got. And it was either I spend the time to learn how to do this or I don't drive to work. And it was uh, <laughs> right. it was being forced to engage in it where I started to like see the more beautiful aspects of it, I guess, to be flowery about it. I mean, as flowery as you can be about cutting your knuckles in a three inch (laughs) square space covered in grime, really considering how sturdy the jack stand you got from Harbor Freight is, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, you gotta worry about that. (laughs) I think it also just delves into like, after I, after I became just proficient enough, it was like a, it was like a, a love language thing, right? Acts of service. So my friends who needed work, it was like, oh, now I know this skill. And I can apply it to them if they need it so I can save them some money. But like, it's one of those things where I don't make time for it. It's when time is thrusted upon me. Well, I got to say, when I think of car hobbyists, they don't think a guy who's working on uh, his friend's cars. I think of Jay Leno or uh, Jerry Seinfeld. You know, that's a car hobbyist, isn't it? I mean... I was going to say, I think the, the big difference between being a, a home mechanic and being a car hobbyist is is resources. Yeah. You know, if if I had money, surely I would not be working and just building a, a Grand National or something <laughs> for fun. But the barrier to entry there is really high. Uh, that is true. That is That is very true. But yeah, so I think it's admirable, right? You push past these things that you don't have to do that are uncomfortable or not interesting to you and then you you end up making something so great that's really cool i mean that's like anything right that's being a writer that's being any kind of creator it's this there's a grind associated with it and the ability to push past that entry is really cool to me like Forrest, i think you've like like let me something that i would point to as maybe a hobby is you made a dice roller Oh, yeah. Well, I did that mostly to, that's kind of straddling the line, right? Because I did that mostly to teach myself a new 
software development technique, which is my job. And I would never occur, it wouldn't happen in my course of day-to-day -day work, but it might eventually be something that's useful. So this is almost like in between what you were saying, where, you know, you worked on a car, you learned how to work on cars because you needed to survive. And part of that was driving to work. And so part of that is having a car, right? And also uh, miniatures where it's, you know, something that is kind of like for yourself. This is sort of like in between state because it is something that I, it's something that I genuinely like doing, but it's also like partially could have some effect on work and then we can get into a whole conversation if we wanted to about okay like why am i doing like semi work stuff outside of work and then we go back to our capitalism conversation from like three episodes ago but we don't have to go there <laughs> it's I would... always looming yeah <laughs> well you know you live in a system i was gonna say one thing I was thinking about, this is jumping back a bit for Brent, what you were saying is like, you watch these videos and you get, you detect like beauty in it or like, like a deep sense of satisfaction. And so after you were done saying that, then Danny was like, well, you know, it's not always like that when you're in between. And I think it has, I think some of it has to do with appreciating or seeing something. There's always something like deeply satisfying about seeing something come together. Even like Brent, in your case, like the person may not see like, exactly how the sausage is made with a car and like all this shit that you had to do to get it to work and same thing uh with danny where like you know when you're putting a youtube video together you're probably not showing something going terribly wrong and then like swearing for like 10 minutes right no no um, that's in there but yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I guess that could be deeply satisfying for an audience to watch as well depending on yeah, <laughs> what they're trying to get it's a moment of catharsis where we're like yeah that fucking sucks <laughs> right <laughs> okay well you know I just, I just like kind of zoomed through your Happy Meal transformation video. How did you get the idea for that? Well, a lot of psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm, well, I'm, like, I'm like zooming through it. Uh, I'm like, do it. what? I don't know. I've always sort of had a, a vision for that. It's just I've always liked toys. I've always, when I was a kid, Muscle Men were my favorites. Uh, little little guys, pretty much in the same scale. And yeah, I mean, if I see something like that, you're you're watching the one where I've got three Happy Meals, or is it the the Iron Man? Is that the newer one? There's the Iron Man one. Oh yeah. I think one of the craziest parts though is when you just get these like popsicle sticks glued together. You throw some beads on there. It's the derpiest looking thing. But you're not actually going to see that. You're going to slap some paint on mm -hmm. it. Like, I, I don't have that level of thinking where it's separating the physical from the, the final texture. I feel like graphic design is the same way with like layers and stuff like that. Like, that is a totally different level of thinking that I just do not have. And it just blows my mind watching this video. Yeah, it's a collection of techniques. You just pick them up along the way. If you get in the hobby long enough, there's a lot of other people out there doing the same thing. And I borrow from them as well. And, you know, if I, if I take somebody's sort of patented technique, I'll always credit them and put a link at the bottom. Do you just have a garage full of random stuff? I've actually had to put like... stuff outside. <laughs> I've got stuff on my deck in plastic <laughs> tubs um, so we can have room. Well, if you're into it, like that's the thing. If it's valuable to you. Sorry, sorry to change the subject so rapidly. I was just watching no, it's this. Fine. It's I was yeah, blown away by the result. Yeah, it's still under the hobbies category. We can definitely just throw a bunch of praise on Danny. Why not? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to heap on praise. I'm like, why it's is this guy just hanging out guy. with like four random podcasters if we're not gonna heap on some some genuine praise for this? No, I think I think you started at a good one. That's a good one. But the one that I would recommend to our listeners and to you is that monster hut blew my fucking mind because you just in the way that you're talking about how you take these like disparate elements and then at the end of the process they've been converted into something and had i not told you what those elements were you'd be like oh yeah that's pretty cool it looks like cobblestone or whatever these are fucking bottle caps and i and i know and i like and i know i don't know dan danny might say like oh there there are other types of i'm not just taking garbage and turning it into, no, that, that into project cool is, is mostly garbage for sure yeah but that was such a, to me, that was such a cool bit. I mean, obviously there, there are like the, you know, the mind flares for pennies videos is great. I don't want to say the word, but it's B-U-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. It's these like, these pipe, it's these quadrupedal sharks. That was a cool video. And it, that's more of a traditional kit bash, I think. A lot of that stuff, I can't, just like, just like Dane was saying, all that praise and more. I think I struggle with looking at two different things and being like, no, but if I just take a safety knife right here and then a little bit of glue and just a little bit of epoxy, and we're going to have something completely different. 
I don't know. I don't know what that's about. You know, I'm, I'm over here. Like when I was playing with Legos as a kid, I would just build the fucking thing. In Minecraft, all of my houses are squares, just the most brutalist, but pragmatic <laughs> designs. There's no joy. The Soviet school of architecture. Do you play any games like that, Danny? Like Minecraft? Yeah, I don't like even. That, I just hollow out a mushroom and put a bed in it and, uh, and stick a door on, <laughs> on the outside wall. Really, really harping on these psychedelic themes, huh? <laughs> the last time I did that, so I definitely did build a house out of a mushroom and like I just just dug a put a dug a hole in it put a bed in it i didn't realize this i had played minecraft in spurts right and i didn't realize that they had made they had added a type of undead called the drowned and we had, it was right in a waterbed and every time i would wake up there would just be fucking four or five drowned just hanging out outside my door and it took me the longest time to realize what was happening but i was playing with some other people and it was just that that emergent type of experience is also really great you know like back in back to video games these emergent type things those experiences appeal to me a little bit more than like your traditional dragon quest or fucking mass effect but like sea of thieves minecraft right where the elements the verbiage is limited as all video games are but even but all of it is not hidden in the way that a mass effect or an elder scroll is trying to hide the limitations right they're saying you can do all these different things uh, look at all these interconnected systems your ai your cyberpunks or whatever but like sea of thieves you can drive a boat you can shoot a cannon you can swing a sword and it is very blatant about the limited verbiage but it is the interconnectivity with your other human friends that makes that gameplay so much more interesting. You know, building a computer out of Minecraft blocks doesn't interest me. But like coming out of my house to see my friend being chased by a creeper and having built this horrible pillar to get away from it, like that stuff is hilarious. You know, <laughs> I think I, I, so. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, and obviously, I'm not. I didn't take the time because I'm a piece of shit to like develop a fully thought out thesis on this. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about like if you understand all the parts of something of a system, then it's like kind of fun as they interact with each other. It, it can be like more satisfying than a experience where you don't really know what's possible and it seems very limited. Is that kind of what you're saying? I mean, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Adam, uh, save just us. Really likes, Adam save he us. He just really likes Minecraft. Okay. That's what it is. Minecraft, so yeah. speaking of hobbies, things that I've sunk many hours into that, you know, end up not really going anywhere. I've written <laughs> several short stories, I guess, and a couple of full length novels, but, you know, uh, no one's ever read them but me. Oh, tell me about that. Like, how did you, how did you come to do that? It actually started way back when, like almost 11 years ago, when I was in Sp- So when I, when I went to Spain uh, for a semester abroad, which was as, required As you for, do. It was required for my degree. So yeah, as you do. It was the first time in my like young adult life that I did not, I was not working. I had no part-time job. So I suddenly gained back, you know, like 20 hours of my life and I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I had always had an idea for a character and I just started building a world around the him and yeah, wrote a, wrote a, it was a long, I didn't realize how long <laughs> books can be. If you don't realize that word document pages are way bigger than a standard paperback. So it ended up being like a 7,000 page thing. It was ridiculous. What? Wow. Adam, what the fuck? Wait, yeah. wait. <laughs> That's it's like wild. three feature length not it's like three feature length novels and has any so so no one else has seen this correct all right why don't we're okay. next podcast yeah. about I'm gonna no do, gonna no do that's for me okay no it's not good it was written by you know 20 year old adam listen i'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you write. a cringy story i'll tell you a cringy story so i Ernest, i oh, used no. to also do a little bit of writing myself and i, I just started work as a young engineer Decided to like make friends with people my age, work in a professional setting, and I mentioned my writing. And this coworker, nicest gal you could imagine, is like, "Oh, probably out of politeness, was like, yeah, I'll re- I'll read your writing." I was like, "Okay." You never, you never <laughs> no, do that. So never do that. Oh. Yeah. You gave it to her. You gave her the draft. I did. Dane. 
Okay, and then what? I mean, like, what happened? It's okay. Like, well, a year later, she left the company, so it's fine. It's fine. She left it the company all... because you gave yeah, her the draft. This is all your fault. This is all your fault. Uh, got... what, what is wrong with you people? Like, like you should you should show things. I mean, like if you're gonna make something, no. I'm not saying you have to show people. But what I'm saying is, you know, it shouldn't be some kind of like traumatic dramatic event oh, tra- yes yeah, i mean i'm in the meter think- write something and not not expect some feedback with stand-up right. you get that immediate feedback and it's been very hard for me to put in for short stories i've got a couple of my own and i'm friends with you know professional writers and getting them to read any of my garbage is really hard that's a hobby in and of itself it requires <laughs> getting, getting people uh, to read your stuff <laughs> rolling up on somebody with a manuscript <laughs> like you're serving them with papers I mean, I've been running a I've been running a, a website where I put up poetry and short stories for twelve years, and I do not give that link to anybody. Like, I, see, I ha- that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I I I have developed a small readership, very small, right? I think I average maybe eighty eighty or so per post. That's bigger uh, than our podcast. Yeah, no, it's what, not. Uh, no, we have 108 listeners. Thank you very oh, much. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, hold on, Dane. It's actually gotten, pre- it's become less small. I mean, nothing. We're not, we're not miniature mashups over here, 9K. Yeah. But yeah. you know, we're 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 crawling up the ladder, brother. You know, <laughs> I believe ever since so so ranked my channel as a, at a C plus, so I uh, got that going. For oh, me. Yeah, that's I passing. Thank you. Yeah, that's passing. You a little bit more. I would love to briefly talk about the the behind the scenes vibe of the youtube space because i've never gotten involved in that but before we do that i i so i have this this dumb website the few times that i have shared this with people that i know i'll tell you it's one of two experiences right one they like push me they prod me i give it to them and as far as i know they never read it (laughs) (laughs) two they push me they prod me and then they want to talk to me about it a lot and it's it's just too much it's too much it's it's the anxiety of, of them being like oh i really like this i thought your voice wow i mean are you or sometimes you know guys i'm a dark i'm a dark guy you know sometimes it's like are you okay like like uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I got, it turns really serious and bleak for a minute <laughs> yeah but adam real quick i just want to again give you props even if nobody ever reads it because you got to understand i fully respect that i've tried to go beyond the short story it blows my fucking mind the amount of yeah, effort. it's hard I, I cannot do it i think i start thinking about like the flow of like dialogue to description and 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 all this other stuff and the one bit of criti- criticism i've always gotten as a writer like in school and stuff was that i have a lot of voice but that my technical skill is where I'm, i struggle it's uh, lacking yeah yeah and, and it's just like I'm, I'm obviously by no means out here totally fucking it up but sometimes i'll i'll tense switch and just annoying shit like that that i anyway tell me about the the back end of youtube do they do they send you like uh do they just send you like like smoke signals where they're like hey <laughs> no there's a, there's an ai enough. that kind of keeps up with you and wants they want you to make money for them so they they do everything they can there's there's quite a bit of a support structure there how to market yourself and what videos are doing well what my what my demographic is you guys are my demographic effectively i think um my video on in front of uh, a woman her vagina will turn into a dehumidifier so <laughs> <laughs> make her watch it in the basement and save your uh your old vinyl i guess i don't know <laughs> oh my god but uh yeah there's no women watching my channel at all but it, that was a good you one. know it, it's a lot of fun and they want me to make more content i it's been a real grind with the uh pandemic i i was pumping out a video probably at least once a week and now i'm down to about once a month because my real life hobby time is a lot less i don't play D because where we play the the guy who hosts it he works with retirees so we haven't gotten together in months oh, and yeah. months and we're, we're gonna have our first session again in june where so you playing? Right around the corner. Yeah, it's coming up. I mean, hopefully that'll that'll spur me. This last episode got made because somebody paid me to do it. There's a it starts with an advertisement. Really? That's yeah, yeah. I sell ad space on the on the channel, and that's you know, it's a job. It's it's not a real job, but it's you know, it's the job I have. Yeah, I, mean, I saw you talk about the Star Grave video. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I remember I think your your response was like gave me the the vibe of. I'm going to circle back after I do this, 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 this tangent. But yeah, so the Stargrave, I think your response was, it gave me the vibe of like a caring, hey, this is kind of shit. 
No, no, I would I'd never say that. It's fine for what it is. I think if you don't, if you're coming into it clean, like a clean slate, we've never played a sci-fi skirmish game. Or if you're just coming from, well, even if you're just coming from Frostgrave, which was their previous entry, which was the fantasy version, you might find this a little disappointing. It was disappointing for me because I love a sci-fi skirmish game and I liked Frostgrave, their previous effort. And here it was combining the two doesn't really work that well the elements just uh, don't fit the same way it wasn't the finished product isn't as good as the the original not as good as what they had done previously or what they were trying to emulate that's all but it's fine i mean we had fun playing it it just i don't know that probably means i won't be getting any more review copies from that company but i, <laughs> I, I that happens i uh, no, i did a review not. of yeah. a pack of uh, miniatures from a, a guy called drunken dragons one of my rare bad reviews negative reviews and not even negative I, it was just critical I, I try not to i don't dump on anybody i mean i i try to appreciate what's good and uh give sort of an objective presentation as much as possible but because it wasn't sort of just singing his praises like i'd never heard back from them they released other prod <laughs> products and i guess that makes sense you wouldn't keep giving stuff to a reviewer who is kind of critical of your wares right i think yeah. that's i think that's a missed opportunity right i mean if you if you are confident in the product and you see it improve i would i i think i would send it again sure to be so that the the reviewer could be like hey i wasn't a big fan but it's much better now etc mm. but for the fans at home kind of give me a, a quick rundown of what a skirmish game is so it's like uh 40k except instead of uh two armies clashing it's like two gangs clashing you know something around uh, 10 to 12 models on each side instead of uh you know 20 to 100 i think the barrier to entry is lower too right it's that's part of the selling, selling that's thing. right yeah it's less of that initial investment you don't have to buy or paint uh, a whole lot of figures but it can also be a little more intimate. Uh, skirmish games tend to have a kind of a role-playing aspect to them where if you've got only a gang of uh, eight guys, they, they can kind of grow and develop skills and abilities, which you don't see in 40K. You know, your army pretty much right. stays static throughout. So I think the I think the the big takeaway here is from miniature mashup. Don't buy Starcade. It's crap. It's garbage. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Support the company. And anybody who's uh, putting mouth. something else out against Games Workshop would try to support. Maybe the sort of eight hundred pound gorilla is not particularly good for the industry. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I think Games Workshop is just really unchallenged, right? I mean, outside of these smaller companies, I don't think there's anybody else doing the top level 200 army. I don't think anyone else is in that space. It's, I mean, it's such a niche space. I think I did. I started watching about like how there's a little bit of a threat to Games Workshop in this with the advent of 3D printing. Yeah. People are starting to like recreate out of print pieces or out of out of print figures and also just in print figures by doing like that thing where you take this fifteen dollar figure and you shove it in a piece of clay and they make a cheap mold out of it. But yeah, I don't think Games Workshop I look I have no opinion outside of that my experiences with them have been it's too expensive or the people who are into them. It's the it's the worst fandom of all time. I mean, just the absolute worst people are, are drawn to war again. Oh dear. Oh dear. Um, well, there's I, the human forces are this sort of parody of fascism, and a lot of people, a lot of the players miss miss the parody part and just go uh, yeah oh, straight into the yeah, fascism. Yeah, it's, it's the fans of Starship Trooper the movie that don't oh, quite God. catch the the, the right. joke of that movie. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty viciously criticizing the militaristic storyline. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I think every fandom is the worst fandom. To be clear, I don't I don't <laughs> I have no love for any fandom. Every fandom is all if you go deep enough, and it's usually not that deep. There's a level <laughs> of gatekeeping and rudeness that is just absolutely unnecessary. Uh, yeah, the gatekeeping is particularly frustrating. It's like I'm trying to like the thing you like. I'm sorry if I'm still learning. Hey, to be clear, except for fans of this podcast, who are all wonderful people. No, you're all, <laughs> all the worst. You. You're all the absolute worst. Okay. Make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to cut you from the podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind, if you feel up to it, Dan, talk to me about Danny, my Danny, my Dan. If you feel like talking about your, your character that you're going to be playing in this new game. That's like, literally the worst thing anyone can do to you is tell you about their character and you're requesting it. Okay. I'm just playing a fighter cleric right now. That's all two levels of fighter. Me too. Cleric of Helm. And I think I'm level seven. I haven't played it. In, we haven't played in so long. I forgot what level we were at. It's been like a year. <laughs> think, right. uh, somewhere like right. that. And that's it. I'm really pragmatic. We have a pretty generous DM. So I've got a, quite a few magic items now. And it's fun. I like the tactical aspect of the game. 
Oh, you're more into the combat sim of it? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't mind role playing. I, I, I'll do that too. But when we get to the tabletop, I kind of like to come at problems laterally, dress the battlefield instead of just sort of heading mindlessly clashing, you know, with every monster, which some people go for, but that's not, you know, rewarding to me. We actually straight up walked out on one of Dane's big encounters the last time we played. Yeah, that was my mistake. (laughs) We were just like, we're not doing this. We're we're leaving. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll I'll set the scene a little bit. Dane Dane is DMing a game for us. So uh, even broader, guys, this is a... We as a podcast group have, uh, except for Forrest, he he actively left because he hates us. And also we invited him super late. Uh, so that's our fault. We do this thing where we will do shorter sessions, like maybe six to eight months. And then we rotate out so that we don't have like a forever DM, GM. Uh, and we like make proposals and vote on them, etc. In this most recent one, Dane set us up in like a palisade or a fortress like a very impromptu one you know like more of a forward operating base and had this giant slime or some something or another just south of it you know absolutely devastating the these these mercenaries that we didn't get along with and the party immediately was like so i'm gonna throw a rope over the wall on this side and we're just gonna walk off stage right fully we're not doing this and (laughs) and watching dane fully scramble to make a new encounter for us as we were just like you've left enough forest here that we're gonna leave (laughs) we are not fighting there are no stakes no interest in being slimed (laughs) yeah it's like i'm out you you frame these people as not great we're out <laughs> there's not we're not gonna save them no i've dropped the ball as a dm that way myself i made a very undead heavy campaign and forgot i set the party up with a cleric that could turn very easily and he sort of <laughs> did that at the top of every encounter oh, and, no. uh, that was quite the mistake maybe not the game yeah, to try good. to all right done <laughs> test play a new character class i was trying to develop just wrapping your fingers like just in rotation as the cleric is like looking making eye contact with you just the outlaw dead eye stare at noon as <laughs> i love that i love that i love stuff like that that's why i think dnd is so great I, you know, hobbies is an excuse to talk about dnd guys dnd is so great because i love that there are so many different aspects to come at the at it from right you know there are combat sim focused people there are role-playing focused people you know, for me, the thing that I've always found most interesting about D&D is like the collaborative storytelling aspect. And look, I'm not a massive fan of, yeah. of Matt Mercer and Critical Role. And like that, that stuff is good, right? I'm, I'm not here to lambast that at all. It's a great environment. I do think it maybe sells a type of game that is not easily acquired to new players. But I do love the collaborative storytelling aspect. That's what that's what really gets my Jolly Ranchers going is like having these core concepts, core character concepts, and then as a DM facilitating those changes and those exciting moments. I just recently had as a DM, a season finale, I guess this past Saturday, it's a eight hour session that ended up, and it was, it was brutal. It was probably the, it's the longest session of D and D I've ever played. Oh, I made the puzzle too hard. So I dropped the ball there, <laughs> but they, it ended up with the paladin on the verge of killing the BBEG that had murdered his family. And he was, the paladin was like, in this moment, it's, it's, it's eight hours in, in this moment. I, <laughs> I can see that the health is low enough that a couple of divine smites, this, this guy's done. And he was like hemming and hawing about whether or not to do something else. And look, that's, that's perfectly great. I totally understood the mindset. But I was so tired. I was just like, just swing and bang, just swing and bang, just swing and bang, like really drove it in. And they were able to get the killing blow on this person that had they had a very contentious relationship with. And to see the catharsis in the person's face, right? right? I don't I don't care. I don't I don't want to win. Right. My my object, my objective is to facilitate that experience and to see it happen. Right. This culmination of like joy and victory. It's a wonderful experience for me. No, it's uh, improvisation with dice and, you know, either your players are on the same page with you and that's a good time or they're so far off. That can be a great time, too. <laughs> yeah. Brennan Lee Mulligan of Dimension 20 describes it just in exactly the same way that you did, where he says it's improv with gambling. that's pretty good yeah no i'm playing a campaign right now where all of our characters are sort of problematizing every single situation that comes up and the dm is very clearly like you know these are the bad guys you should 
fight them. And we're like, no, but like, what actually <laughs> happened here? Like, what's what's going on with these pirates? Like, how did they come to this state? Like, who are they uh, running away from? <laughs> oh my God. Like, what kind of <laughs> conditions have they them? have complicated <laughs> childhoods? Right, 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 exactly. So we're, we're going to end up trying to, you know, we're, we're screwing around with them a little bit, but we're going to end up trying to uh, see if we can align ourselves with the pirates in, in a way where we're still oh uh, kind of doing good for everyone. Not sure if he's going to let us oh, get away with that. Like uh, 80-page manuscript in half and stomp out of the room. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. DMing sure. is a fine. DMing is a fine art. I mean, it's. I, it's... I don't think I have it, man. I I don't know. Like, uh, I want to do it, but so many times I'm playing, I'm just like, you know, I'd, I think I'd rather just be a character. <laughs> it's yeah. so I mean, much yeah. work. There's two different. I mean, like, because DM it DM is. storytelling is not that. You know, if you have an 80-page manuscript for DM storytelling. My opinion, you're doing it wrong. You know, there's write a story yeah. because every player, no, no matter how competent, incompetent, new, old, veteran, whatever, every p- group of players has always royally fucked everything up <laughs> immediately. Like, there's yeah. no way to follow that linear path. Like, you got to be able to shift with it, and it's something that I struggled with. Like, like because I made an encounter early on where there were just like nine bearded devils and three bone devils and the party's level six so this is obviously meant to be like a get out of town type situation and they just dug their heels in and i'm over here like oh no they're gonna all fucking die like i can't lie about this many number of roles and so it was like a learning experience and i had to really pivot hard oh boy it's stressful because i don't want to tpk at anybody i think that's well, yeah and then but then you have the opposite problem where like everything i throw at you guys just seems to bounce off of you i mean poor greg's character almost got killed of course because greg is a monk with 16 hp got whacked by a stegosaurus tail just greg, he wants greg, to die though it's fine greg let's being not, un- let's not Let's Greg, not go too far down the rabbit hole. Greg being unwilling to re-roll his HP die. He's just like, no, I rolled this and that's what it is. And I'm like, all right, man. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I mean, 5e is pretty forgiving, right? I mean, compared, especially compared to like 3.5, which is where actually I started. I started in Pathfinder, which is just a 3.5 mod. It's way easier, right? It's a much more of a fantasy experience as opposed to like, actually, Danny, how do you feel? About, which, which edition is your favorite outside of 5e? Three five, like if you three five for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, more competent. Every edition, uh, not counting fourth, has been better. Fourth being the anomaly (laughs) for sure. Fourth edition, everyone just I I have yet to meet anyone who doesn't shit on fourth edition. Like it's just uh, first time I played fourth, thing. I was impressed by how fast it was moving. I was playing a fighter, so I didn't realize what I was missing. The second time I played, I was a warlock, and by round three, all I could do was zap the enemy, and that was it. I had one option, and I realized I didn't need to be there. You know, like just just run an AI for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna zap the enemy, and then I'm gonna move out of the way. Uh, I'm just gonna get on the phone here. Let me know how the battle went. It's just a. Uh, yeah, because I came because I came in at three at Pathfinder and then straight to Five V. I actually have no idea what's wrong with the Fourth Edition. Oh, yeah, it's uh, a laundry list. It's they threw skills away. Monsters have too many hit points. You have sort of daily actions and actions you can do once per uh, battle and once per and you run out of those pretty quick. So all all the classes feel the same. I mean, it's it just goes on and on. It, I think it lasted for two years. Was it was that how long that that edition stuck around for? Something yeah, like that. It, it, it was very short. It fell apart very very quickly. Yeah, yeah, poorly received. What is what is Thaco? Oh God, uh, nobody. Two hit armor class zero. It's the second edition thing. For some reason, they built armor class backwards in those early editions where a lower AC was preferable. So you had to do basically math with negative numbers, which is completely, you know, you're playing later editions. You didn't have to deal with that at all. Uh, And they would have charts laid out. So you you knew based on your Thacko what you needed to hit a particular AC. That's all it was. God. Yeah. So if you needed ten yeah, to hit armor so class zero, or something had math. a negative four AC, that means it was better. That means you needed to roll a fourteen. Completely unwieldy, and uh, that's the least of it. Second edition was nothing but a collection of charts and different, completely different mechanics for everything you wanted to do. It was very unwieldy and clunky, and it just gets worse the further you go back. But and second ed would still be playable today, but you'd really have to want to play some D anD I mean, it, there's a, <laughs> you put a lot more in for what you get out of it. That- I think that, I mean, that had, there's something to be said about how popular D&D is now today. 
and fifth edition being maybe a necessary aspect of that. Obviously, Critical Role and other bunch of the live action stuff. Five well, so is very accessible. Plays. I mean, you know, there's not a lot that you need to figure out, right? I mean, there's sort of a lot of universal mechanics and and keep it pretty streamlined. Yeah, I think it's the standard now. I mean, I I don't I don't see my I hate D6 systems like Apocalypse and Dungeon World. I can't. I I think it's it what it is is that 5e represents enough freedom. Like a, there's like there are rules but not so many. And Dungeon World there are too few rules and I'm I'm again looking at two figures not knowing where to safety knife what and where and I'm just lost. But Forrest, yes. Talk to me about D&D. Well, so I like I've only really played five E, if I'm being perfectly honest. I mean, I've played three and a half, but or three point five, but like, and four for a brief spell. I think we played it. You know, I think we maybe actually only had two sessions in that campaign with fourth edition before we all decided, like, you know, screw this. <laughs> I, that, like I said earlier, the game that I'm playing right now is very much a role playing in a way that's annoying the DM. So I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. And he's built a whole like continent with towns and everything like it's 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 pretty elaborate with like politics that we keep losing track of <laughs> of course you do <laughs> yes, yes you're like why would we care about that we're gonna see what the pirate's backstory is right well that's why that's why we're curious about the pirates because if he's built up if he's built up different nations and he's built up towns with different character uh, to the town and he's built out like different types of systems that keep all of these nations working together eventually we're gonna push him to like define the economics theory that so you're, is your uh, game all homebrew? Is that right? You got a DM who's homebrew? Right? Yeah, I think so. How old is he? Yeah, he's homebrewing the whole thing. He's the same age as me, so he's about 30. Wow, that's a rare breed. That was my last DM, too. I think yeah. after age 20, anybody who's doing that, you got to hold on to, because I couldn't imagine running something outside of a module. I, once in a while, I'll, I'll write something up and run it, but boy, that's a lot of dedication. Yeah, he had like 18 months of lead time, I think, Holy before shit. we played our wow. first session. Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> like him on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, get him on the yeah. podcast. Funny enough, I have the opposite experience. I've never run a module. I've never played in a module. I've never run a module. I all of my stuff is homebrew. I think because we're still like we're still in our twenties. I'm 29, so maybe we're about to see that fall off really hard. But well, uh, do you have kids uh, or no? Yeah, see, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, there it is. Yeah. None of us have yeah, kids. Like, wait so. for it. Well, no, that's not true. A couple of us Steve, have kids. Steve does, yeah. but Steve, but Steve is a rare breed too. Steve is. A pot, one of our hosts, the improv skills on Steve is out of control. He doesn't, he's homebrewing, but not in the same way where he's making worlds. He's just like, fuck it, I got it. Don't even worry about it. Nothing we throw at him has ever phased the man once. Very, <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, his, his improv skills are incredible. Meanwhile, I'm like pouring over books, planning encounters in my own makeshift world, and y'all are just like, I'm, we're going to just walk this way, actually. You gotta, you gotta be prepared for role playing. And <laughs> yeah, then I, I make like this, like I make like this, like friendly, like like they go to this new world and they meet like this friendly face, and they immediately are like distrustful of these people that are just trying to help them. And I feel never like that's trust, like you never your trope them. as players is you're always like these people, they're up to something. Yeah, I mean, look, I can only be betrayed so many times in real life and in Dungeons and Dragons before I insight check everything. You know, it's like it's a little bit of meta gaming, I know, but absolutely. After I lost my first character, I said I was just that moment where I squinted into the dark sun and said never again. So well, I, I think anybody living in a world where demons and monsters can look like people would probably have a healthy level of paranoia. Yeah, right right that's a that's a very good point very it's, good point it, it's what it's that it's that first time your parents tell you a story about beholders and they're like but but look i know that we just this has like been like a bedtime story but i need to be very clear with you beholders are absolutely real like super real and as like an eight-year-old what do you do in that world just what not <laughs> just, just not immediately distrust everything come on yeah, mind flayers no, even the fucking yeah. what are the the mimics like the treasure chests that are just monsters that you can just walk up on and they have <laughs> yeah. teeth. Even your furniture is not safe. Yeah, D and D world is a dangerous. My place. hamper is a monster. Yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, I think we're down to the the wire here, so we can just get some final thoughts out. You know, I I think as far as anything that I've been consuming lately. I've been watching Will and Grace again. Look, I don't <laughs> know, guys. I don't want to talk about it too much. I mean, it's just this thing. Is I just 
go ahead. Is that a hobby? Are you just? Is, oh, like, I'm just, why are I'm you just, throw, I'm just throwing things that we're doing, you know, in our in our leisure time as we start to start to wrap up. I've been watching Will and Grace. I've been watching it on Hulu too, so it's a lot of ads. I'm just oh, really hmm. hurting. Oh yeah, I'm just really pushing through watching Will and Grace. I think I'm just waiting for something to happen and something to come out in that holding pattern. But Adam, what about you? I have been editing this podcast. <laughs> Adam like, is our Adam is our. That, is our that is what I've been doing if I'm not, you know, off at an exercise class or helping somebody with schoolwork, been editing this podcast. Have you been exercising lately? Yeah, I started an aerial yoga class. That's awesome, dude. Is, yeah, it's really neat. I'm really terrible at it, but it's, you know, pretty cool. Hobbies, you got to get through it's, that hump of learning. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I know. That's why I'm, I'm still going. Honestly, I'm thinking about how we just had an, a, a hobby podcast and you didn't bring up once that you've been doing aerial yoga. I just did now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. And uh, it, yeah, it's uh it's it's yoga, but you there's a hammock hanging from the ceiling that you use to do some really complicated poses. It's really it's tough. I was so it hoping it was on the wing of a plane, but okay, that's cool too. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, going at four hundred miles an hour now. <laughs> Downward dog. <laughs> you know, like no, it's not that. Did you have a moment where when you were in this the hammock or whatever? Because I know it's like much longer than, than an actual hammock, right? Did you have a moment oh, yeah, where, where so your whole back cracked? No, though I was, I think what you're looking for is there are several poses you do completely upside down. That's part of it. And yeah, you feel it in your back. That's where you feel most of it. But like my back doesn't crack very much like that. As a side note, I've been thinking about starting a business where we get people to become chiropractic ninjas and then they just, <laughs> just sneak up and <laughs> they just sneak up on you and they fully give you an adjustment. I don't even know if that's a real I don't know how much I believe in chiro- in chiropractic, but it's. Uh, I think my big the, my big hang up is that I could never let somebody just actively like I lie down and and then with this all the tension and and they're they're about to do it, then they fully snap my back in half. I think I would need to be surprised fully. <laughs> so you that's why you, you need the ninjas. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. making the service so they can one day surprise you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I also, you just turn the corner. Ha ha! Your back is better. Exactly, because as a six foot one, two hundred and seventy pound guy, it's not easy for me to like find somebody who's able to extend, separate my my spinal column the, pieces. The vertebra. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Dan. What have you been watching? I watched all of Invincible this weekend. That was pretty good. I also started Resident Evil Five back up because I never finished it, and I want to get caught up on the game so I can play Village. Even though, as I mentioned earlier, I've about you know, four Assassin's Creed games also just showing in the wings, but Resident Evil games tend to go a little faster. And I'm realizing yes, I yes. really hate Resident Evil 5. I hate it so much. To be clear, uh, yeah, you're saying Resident Evil 5. So the implication is that you're going to play 6 and then 7? And also maybe the remake of 2. Dane, I need to tell you something. If you're okay. not liking 5, 6 is going to be really hard for you. Is it? I a, thought... It's a much worse game than 5. But five tries to do this whole like action thing, and I, yeah, it's, and six it... is that exclusively. It is the oh, same. Oh, really? Game. Yeah. Oh, I thought it yeah, went back to like seven. four. Yeah, just jump to seven. Watch YouTube videos. What are you doing right now? Uh. I mean, if you want, if you want, I'll find a way but to play Leon! RE5. Leon. I'll play RE five with you because it's a co op game. I'll do it, but it's not going to be a great experience. RE six is a fucking slog, my guy. Okay, all right. But also, I just want to touch base on Invincible. Uh, I also watched all of Invincible. What do you what do you think, Dane? Dane, what do you think? Dan, Dan, uh, I, I saw Dan react to it too. I want to hear yeah. what everyone thinks about Invincible right now. I want to hear Dan's thoughts. Well, I've read most Dan's of them, too. so it's it's oh. a very literal translation. It's it's just fun to see it again on the screen. It's like when I watched you know watched the uh, film adaptation of Watchmen. There's not a lot of surprises, but that's cool. I liked it. It's good. I, I, I for me, it's more watching people get introduced to that world for the first time and what they what they come away from it that, that's yeah me. that's always exciting yeah the ending of the first episode was both incredibly violent but also like a really good hook to like the show because it was just like out of nowhere like it was like oh this guy discovers he's got powers and the episode ends with his dad just like murdering the justice league equivalent it's crazy and i know who robert kirkman is right like i know what the walking dead is i've watched it i've read some of it and i somebody the person who introduced me to invincible i'd never read the comic book i i, I watched that first episode and i'm just sitting there enjoying it I'm like this is okay this is pretty good i get it i get it and then omni man yeah fucking kills everybody and i was just wait what's happening what's happening what's happening 
I just love J.K. Simmons also. <laughs> oh, yeah. J.K. The voice acting in that show is fantastic. A lot of names. Yeah, it's fantastic. also all of the budget. Yeah. Yeah. They have John yeah. Hamm as the security guard Brent, dad. Brent, we literally did this last week. Leave I don't it. care. I don't care. Wait, what Check did you do last week? Invincible. We talked at length. We talked about this at length. Invincible? Did we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I promise you yeah, we I did. I... All right. I'll have to watch it. I can't wait for that episode to come out. Adam, are you? Have you been editing it at all? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you, what are you doing? You're just gonna don't do this to him. He's already. He's a good boy. No, good boy. There's so much left. There's just so much. Sorry, I gotta hop in here. You're talking about just watching the playthroughs. That's what I did with Village Resident Evil, and then I just moved my thumbs a little bit, and it's fine. <laughs> I, like, I saved sixty dollars, what... and. I watched the bar- parts where he's solving puzzles on the speed and a half, and then whenever he's fighting the vampires, I slow it back down. It's it was very good, very good game. <laughs> yeah, my 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 partner did the same thing. She, I mean, I know the whole. She told me the whole story of it, but I don't know. I I I not to spend too much time on me, but Resident Evil Four is like one of my favorite games of all time. Like that game is like perfection it should be in like the museum of video. Is that the first one in Spain like, where they have the cockroaches in their heads and yeah, yeah the progress yeah. Great absolutely classic yeah. so yeah. good i've bought it on like five different platforms and i've played it through 100 percent every Dane, single one as such an active opponent to capitalism you are just revealing yourself to be a paper thin charade an absolute <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> you've bought re4 five times let me think one two three yeah probably four or five times yeah you might you might have stopped at four because are you four four that's a fun number but then you went for the extra one you you dirty dirty guy Forrest, what have you been watching <laughs> i mean i'm still you know i'm still watching x files because i hate dave Duchovny, but i can't stop doing it six season <laughs> and yeah other than that i've been playing alien isolation very very slowly yep that's my horror game right have now. you have you have you seen an alien yet i have seen the alien uh, the alien did not freak me out nearly as much as like gunshots whizzing past my head. So the it's another the humans are the real bad guys, but actually the alien is the bad guy too. So still playing through that. Is I'm season fun. six the revival for that show? No, we had this conversation too. Actually, you keep covering nine. old grab. Yeah, we'll fully, we'll fully drop it. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, there's like eleven seasons of the X Files for some reason. It just keeps happening. I guess it's like uh, Simpsons. It's like uh, supernatural, yeah. just keeps going. Danny, what if you've been watching? <laughs> I just, I really had to restrain myself when you mentioned supernatural. I was, like, I know it's your favorite. Uh, I hate that shit. Lately, I've been on a YouTube jag for with a show called uh, Found Footage Festival. These are guys out of New York, and they they go through a bunch of old VHS stuff. It's like uh, everything is terrible. It's sort of uh, like Tim and Eric, except the real stuff Tim and Eric is based off of. And they also watch a lot oh, of uh, Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons from the eighties, which is fun as well and they'll have guests on people who've worked on that stuff and they sort of deconstruct it that's where i've been at and, and then generally i just consume way too much anime so oh really oh, no yeah. Such yeah. Thing. hell yeah what kind of anime brother yeah, i was gonna say welcome to the right <laughs> I guess, club uh, it's okay is sort of the main stuff i go for which is sort of you know trapped in a fantasy universe which is also a video game and I- i'm not gonna list them all off but uh that's a lot anything you know action punch em ups kind of stuff uh, i'll give at least give a shot uh love attack on titan sorry it's going out after three seasons man i could live in that world it's just so good i don't know if you guys watch that oh yeah but... yeah 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 oh yeah. I'm, oh yeah I'm also aware of how show. it ends and uh <laughs> yeah don't don't okay, well, we don't want... i know you don't have to spoil yeah, it. We don't, don't do spoil that it, yeah have you uh, watched My Hero Academia? Oh, yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. My Hero Academia is, is what brought me back into anime after a long stint out. But yeah, anime is great. It's real good. Just, just We've never done an anime podcast, have we? We'll do an anime podcast. Fuck it. Fine. If Jane wants to come no, back. No, we Dennis did uh, Death Note. We did Death that, Note. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because yeah. it was, we did talk about Death Note, but it was primarily meant to shit on the live action version. That is, William that Defoe. is accurate. Hey guys, you know that William Defoe's dick is, is absolutely no. Massive? Come on, every time, every time. <laughs> anyway, you can find us at popculturecake.com. You can reach us at popculturecake at gmail.com. For our, our fabulous guest, thank you so much for for showing up. You can find him at miniature mash dash miniature mashup Mash with a dash between mash and up. And they have a Facebook group and a YouTube group. But Dan, did you want to say anything to close out the show? Oh, thanks for having me, guys. That's it. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.
so we can see the beautiful expressions Brent makes when he's mad at us. <laughs> the impression you guys give off of me is accurate, but uh, un- unflattering. <laughs> but, but unappreciated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whenever you're ready. A son of a bitch. I swear to God, I'm over here so just waiting for the silence and you, you motherfuckers keep talking. <laughs> what, that bothers you? <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i'm done